Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Simple Church. Good morning. My name's Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. We want to first just take a moment to welcome all of our guests here. If you're a first-time guest, this round of applause is for you. We want you to know that you are welcome here. Thank you for joining us this morning. I want to quickly go over what uh, Tim uh, talked about during the meet and greet, just in case you weren't here, because there's way too many things uh, that if you miss them, man, I don't want you to miss out on them. A couple things coming up. First of all is our, our, um, our fall festival. We are joining up with the city of Reynoldsburg, and we are partnering with them to serve at the fall festival last year. They had so many people that they had to turn people away, and that's a good problem to have. And so we serve at that that festival. This will be our third year serving in this particular festival, and uh, we are super excited to do that. If you would like to join us, we need 15 to 20 people. There are two shifts available, so you don't have to serve the entire time, the three-hour event, but if you'd like to, we'd love to have you. Uh, But you can open up our app. There's a button that says Outreach, and you can tap that, and that'll open right up, and you can sign, sign up to volunteer right there. Uh, But it's really important that we do these events. If you're not familiar with why we do it, when I was talking with the uh, the lady, uh, her name is Danny. She's in charge of the particular event. She shared with me. She said, "You know, I love that Simple Church is going to be involved with this with this project again." She said, "In fact, I see you guys everywhere." And she said, "And every time I see people rolling in with those Simple Church shirts on, I know that the event is going to go well." She said, "Because your people are so happy, they're so ready to serve, they're so pleasant." She said, "And they look like what I think Jesus ought to look like." And she said, "And I keep telling my husband, I need to go to that Simple Church, you know, and check it out." She said, "That's where I need to be hanging out." And I said, "Well, you're welcome to join us." So. Danny, if you're out there, I can't see you this morning, but welcome. We're glad you're here. So anyway, so that's why we do this. We are making an impact in our community and showing people Jesus and just making him famous wherever we go. And so it's another opportunity for us to do that. So please join us. And then also at the end of the month, October 25th, so the day after the the Halloween festival, we have Mrs. Ohio. She is 2014's Mrs. Ohio, and she is joining us, and she's going to be here sharing her uh, journey, part of her testimony and uh, that'll just be an incredible time. We are super excited that she said yes and is going to come here and join us. That's her, Ms. Shaylin Ford. And so we are super excited that she's going to be here. So don't miss that day. Make sure that you are with us. So, all right, what are we doing here? Today we are walking through a series. We are coming to the end of it. Next week will be the last week of the series. But we're in a series called uh, You Ask For It. And essentially I opened up a can of worms and said, what would you like me to teach? Or what can I share with you that would help move you forward in your spiritual journey? And so you submitted a lot of topics, and so we chose the top six topics uh, from, that, from that pool. And uh, the, the, the topics we've covered in the past have been, how do I pray? How do I forgive? What do I do with the Holy Spirit? And how do I have faith? And so if you missed any of those, you can get on our app. You can listen to all the podcasts that are available for you. They'll be a blessing to you. And if you have questions about those subjects in particular, they'll help you 
Next week, we're going to close the series out with how do I overcome negative emotions? And uh, so you don't want to miss that. Today, today we're going to answer the question, how do I parent? And uh, this is always a fun topic to cover because, man, everybody kind of gets their pricklies on when we start talking about parenting, right? It's like, look, I'm doing this and I'm doing it right. You know, I know what I'm doing. And, uh, but, but I think, I think my, my request to you is to humble yourself today and maybe listen for something that, uh, that may change the way that you parent. Even if you feel like you're doing a great job, I, I would ask you to, to take off the gloves and, and kind of let us, let us speak into your heart today because we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about parenting. Now, there are several challenges that come up when you talk about this topic is that I realize not everybody in here has kids. And so just know that, that this entire message, in case you're ready to turn me off or, or to leave, please stay. There are things inside this message that are here for you just in case you don't have kids because truth is truth and I believe that it will be a blessing to you anyway. The other thing is, is, is that uh, I'm not perfect. In fact, uh, I have experience because I have three kids, but I don't always know what I'm doing. In fact, as a parent, I'm always growing and always learning, and I'll even share some things that, that I've learned even just this past week and that I put into play with my kids because I'm in a, in a transitionary period. But we're going we're gonna to speak to some of that today, so know that I'm not perfect and that I'm working just as hard as all of you to know how to do it right. Amen? And so let's jump into it. Proverbs 24, 7 says, It takes wisdom to have a good family and takes understanding to make it strong. Now, what we understand about wisdom is that it's simply uh, knowledge in action. So basically, to have a good family, it's going to take work. And then it says, and it also takes understanding to make it strong. Well, we know that understanding only comes with what? Time. And so it's going to take work and it's going to take time, but you can build a strong family. And ultimately, though, the Bible tells us that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, and that means that we have to learn to take God's ways and put them into action. Okay, that's what we need to do. And so if we want God to, or if we want to have a strong family, if we want to parent properly, we need to include God in what we're doing, which is exactly why we're going to look at the scriptures and find out what we need to do. And so uh, the goal of having solid families, of course, is that we would raise our kids to hear the voice of God, that they would, be res- uh, that we- they would be respond and live God-honoring lives, and one day make a uh, difference in the lives of-, of the other people around them. So in order to raise kids who would do this, we need to learn to parent, and what I've only recently learned is, is called the proper seasons. If you need a Bible today, we want to give you a Bible. We're going to jump into God's Word. If you need a Bible, we believe that God's Word is, is life-changing. If you don't own one, we want to give you one. We want to bless you with one. Otherwise, the verses will be up here on the screen. But in Ecclesiastes 3.1, it says, oh, and if you need a Bible, just shoot your hand up and we'll get you one. Sorry, I didn't clarify there. But in Ecclesiastes 3.1, it says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. So there are seasons for different types of parenting. And as your kids grow and mature and change, so must your parenting. So I'll share these different seasons and a bunch of practical tips that I think will help you parent in the proper seasons today. The first season is ages 0 to 5, and this season is the season of discipline. The season of discipline, ages 0 to 5. Now this season is all about winning that war of, I'm in charge here and you are not. Okay, because every kid that comes, that, that is born into this world wants to be in charge. From like the moment they are just barely moving around, when you tell them no, they are going to do it anyway, and they need to understand that they are not in charge. And so we, this season of discipline is about letting them know they, that you are the one in charge, that they're not the ones running the house, okay? Now, I know when I start talking about the word discipline, I, I know the pushback here. A lot of you are like, well, but I, I don't want to hurt my kids, or I don't want to punish them. I just want them to be happy and free, and 
I want them to blossom and grow in the ways that they want and to express themselves the way that they'd like to. <laughs> but let me tell you that discipline is not so much about punishing your kids. It's not a punitive thing. It's more about it, it's, it's correction that is driven by love. That's what discipline is. And if you're doing it any other way, you're doing it wrong, okay? And so it's not, not meant to be a punishment to the kid, like you do this and so you get this kind of punishment. It's used to correct their hearts. That's what, that's what discipline is used for because it's a benefit for their lives. Look at Proverbs 19:18. It says, discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Look, when we sit on the sidelines not disciplining our kids, we're really doing them a disservice. We are not offering them hope. The Bible says that when we do discipline them, that's where there is hope. If we choose to not, they have no hope. They have absolutely no hope, and you are essentially setting them up for failure. You're setting them up for death. You say, well, Aaron, doesn't everybody die? Yes, of course, everybody dies. Don't be silly. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is death in their relationships, death in their, in their minds, death in their spirit, death financially, death relationally. Every, at every turn, if they don't understand what discipline is in their lives and the fruit that it can bear in their lives, it will lead them to death. So you are doing your kids a disservice by not disciplining you. You have to begin to look at discipline as something you do for your kids and not to your kids. Discipline should be used to work things out of their hearts. The Bible says that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them. We are, we are, we are born with foolishness, with sin in our hearts, but correction will drive it far from us. I know what you're thinking here. You're like, all right, Aaron, so how does this work out? Well, let's just say little Johnny, because my kids are a little older, and so I, I, as I wrote this message and I was thinking zero to five, I, those years are a blur to me, being honest with you. And so just <laughs> maybe just this scenario. Imagine this little scenario. Little Johnny is upset at his sister. She, she's done something to him, and little Johnny decides to demonstrate his distaste for her actions by running into her room and urinating all over the floor. This actually happened to somebody I know. This is one of his kids. And, they, and he decided to go in there and just pee on the... Now, here's the deal. We don't discipline little Johnny because we've, we don't like cleaning up urine. Although, as we are cleaning up urine, we're thankful it's number one and not number two. Amen? And so, we, we, don't, we don't discipline him because we're upset with little Johnny for doing that. We discipline him because if little Johnny goes to preschool and decides that's the way he's going to behave when somebody gets on his nerves, that's a problem. That becomes a problem, and so we have to discipline that out of his life. We have to help him understand that is not okay. And so discipline is not to be given because you don't like cleaning up the urine. It's to be given because Johnny needs to understand, hey, this is, I can't behave this way. So if you're disciplining your child because what they've done irritates you, let me challenge you that you need to examine your heart about how and why you are disciplining that if you are upset, like if, if it comes to discipline, let me, this isn't even in my notes, let me just tell you this is something I've learned. If you're upset at your child because sometimes we can, they, we can be irritated because when they mess up or they make a mistake or they're irritating their brother or sister, it comes at a really inopportune time for us. And it interrupts us and it's really frustrating for us. And so if you are going to discipline in that moment, that is the wrong time to do it. You need to just chill out, maybe send them to the room or set them to the side until you can get your composure back and you can discipline in a proper tone. Let me just life lesson learned from me. So take it. That was free. Wasn't in my notes at all. But if your heart is to rescue the child from destructive behaviors, then you can move forward with your discipline. Then you can move forward. 
Now, there are three different approaches to discipline, and uh, you're going your, to hear your parents or yourself somewhere in here. The first type of approach to discipline is the authoritarian approach, right? This is the, you're going to do it because I said it. And this kind of parent has really crazy phrases. The, when I grew up, uh, the, you know, my, my parents... They, they operated in many different levels, okay? I'm not saying that my parents didn't grow. They're sitting right over here. Don't look, but they're sitting right over here. They grew as parents, but, but, but they, they certainly operated in this at times, especially my dad. I love you, Dad. I do. But, but, it was, but we get these silly phrases that are like, when I say jump, you better jump in the air. When you're in the air, you say how high, right? Or, or I brought you into this world, and I can take you out of this world. Like, look at your brothers and sisters. I can duplicate that again. You know, that's not a problem. Or would you like me to slap your face off? Like, you know, did anybody hear these when you were a kid? Like, the proper response to if, <laughs> would you like me to slap your face off? It's the proper and improper response. This is to- totally stolen from Bill Cosby, but I think he's correct when he says, yes, please, that way I can keep it in a box under my bed. No, never say that. Never say, kids, if you're in here, never say that because you are in the danger zone. But this authoritarian approach to discipline is just behavior modification. It is teaching the child that I need to just modify my behavior, and you have completely missed the mark of discipline. See, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. And if all you're doing is modifying their outward behavior, the way that they act, you completely miss their heart. This is what was happening in the Old Testament. God was trying to, to reach out to them and say, hey, listen, I want your heart. And the people were like, no. And so all they got was a bunch of rules. All they got was a bunch of behavior modifications. And God never tapped into their heart. He was looking to, to connect with that. And so we, we, what you don't want to do is, is just do the behavior modification. Because here's what's going to happen to your kids. If they just, if you behavior modify, when they get older or when the authority is not around even when they're younger, what happens? They go buck wild crazy and they lose their minds. They get to college and do all the things that they weren't allowed to do. And they drift further and further away. And so this, this approach is, is, is not the right one. And then, of course, if you grew up that way, you're probably in this next category of what we call permissive parenting. Now, permissive parenting is, is like, hey, I don't, I don't want to dismiss. I'm, I'm not going to engage. And I think there's a lot of this going around today. But we just want our kids to be happy and free and express themselves. And, like, you know, we, we look at our kids and we go... And, they're, and they're, they're, they're acting foolish, or they're, they're getting into things, or they're kicking other kids. And, and we just kind of dismiss it at the zero to five age and go, isn't that cute when he does that? Don't you just love how he's, look, he's biting her ear. Isn't that funny? We just kind of dismiss it all and, and don't engage with it. And what we're doing is we're turning out kids who refuse to do what they're told. They don't understand discipline. They think they're the boss. They're the ones that tell you what you're going to make for dinner. They're the ones that tell you where they're going to go, when they're going to go, what time they're going to go to bed, and how they're going to do it. This is what, what permissive parenting creates. These, these parents who per- participate uh, in permissive parenting, they, they explain away their children's behaviors and let them run wild. Or they'll say, you know, I mean, he's just... He's just upset because he didn't get his nap today, you know, like he didn't want to sleep, you know, and it's like, hey, a five-year-old needs a nap. I'm 36, and I need a nap. Hello? I need to eat regularly, and I need a nap. I am like a five-year-old, except I don't have a diaper on. (laughs) Not that you know. And so we're moving right along past that. But in this permissive parenting, we also start rewarding our kids for doing absolutely nothing, right? They get on the baseball field, and they go out, and they pick daisies, and they play with them, and everybody gets a trophy. It's like, yay, you, you win. And 
What we're not teaching them is the disciplines that it takes to be a champion or to earn that trophy. Everybody, everything is given to them. Everything's handed to them on a silver plate. It's like, you showed up today. That is awesome. Look at you. Here's this medal. Everybody wins. Nobody keeps score at the games anymore. There's no tournaments. There's no first place. And because we don't want to hurt their feelings. No, what we're doing is not teaching them the discipline they need to actually understand what it takes to earn things in life and to obtain things in life. Now, some of y'all are mad at me, and others of y'all are saying, amen, Aaron. I got you. I understand. <laughs> I, I understand. But when we, we do this permissive parenting, what we're turning out is kids who are entitled. They're entitled. They think everything in life should be handed to them because they don't understand what it takes to be disciplined. And I, I don't necessarily mean parental discipline. I mean to be disciplined themselves. They don't understand the value of it. Everything should be given to me. Why do I have to work? Why do I have to participate in that way? I want to do it the way I want to. And they look at their bosses and they're flipped with their attitudes. And Well, anyway, the last style of discipline is biblical. And, and I think those first two are dangerous places to be. The last place, this, this is where we need to be. We need to be, our parenting needs to be lined up with, with the Bible, where we love our kids but teach them that there are consequences to their choices that there is pain when they step outside of, of God's word. And I think the primary goal of biblical parenting is to capture their hearts. Essentially, like I said before, this is what God was trying to do in the Old Testament, but the people hardened their hearts and they weren't having anything to do with it. But when Jesus came, he began to point back to what God was originally saying. He says, it's all about your heart. I just want your heart. If if I can get your heart, this is why, why Jesus had this come-as-you-are policy. In fact, that's why come-as-you-are is written on our doors. I don't get too hung up in the sin that people are doing or the mistakes that they've made because I know that if I can get them to connect with Jesus and he can get a hold of their hearts, that everything else will straighten itself out. That's none of my business. That's between them and Jesus. I don't get hung up on that, and Jesus didn't either. And so it's the same thing with parenting. I believe that if we can capture their hearts and train their hearts that when they are older, they will learn to listen to God's voice. Colossians 3.20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. One of the ways that we do this at my home is, and, and we've only recently, I want to say in the last year, started doing this, is first-time obedience. If you don't know what that is, <laughs> parents, here we go. First-time obedience is when I tell you to do something, you do it the first time. Not the second time or the third time or the fourth time. You do it the first time. Now, around my house, Shanda and I were banging our heads against the wall. Didn't understand why it took four times to ask our kids, which, my, by the way, I love my kids. They are wonderful kids, but they are not perfect kids. So we, it, we're asking them four times to do things, and they're not responding until we get to the fourth time. And by the fourth time we're asking, we're screaming and yelling our heads off going, Won't you listen to me? Why do I have to scream to get you to respond? And we learn this little secret. They need to respond the first time. Because if, you let, if, they, if, it, if it gets to the fourth time, the reason they're at the fourth time is because you let it. You get what you allow. Because by the fourth time, when we're screaming, they are fearing for their lives, and they're like, oh, dear God, they mean business. They're yelling. When really your kids need to understand that you mean business the first time you ask. And so we've begun to do this around my house, and we're not perfect at it. We still, we still forget that we need first-time obedience, and we go, the next time you do this, and I'm like, no, no, look, this is not the next time. Right now, here's your consequence. Take in your device. Hey, you're grounded from TV or whatever. It, it needs to hurt every time they don't respond. So first-time obedience is, is something we learn. You get what you allow, and so we're, we're not allowing it anymore, and we're not screaming near as much. 
God help us. I, that, that is, I'm, I'm just being honest with you as a pastor. That's where I'm at. I, don't you judge me. You don't know my life. <laughs> but now, now, and of course my kids are 12 and 13, so I'm a little behind the season, right? This, this should all be happening in that zero to five age. I'm, I'm a little behind the times, and so I pray for God's grace as we go through that. For, for some of you that are still pushing back on discipline, I want you to think of discipline like this little analogy. Discipline should be like a candle. A candle is beautiful. A candle provides light. A candle is useful, but a candle is always hot. A candle's always hot. The candle's not mad at you when you put your finger in there and burn it. The candle's not mad at you. It's not emotional. It's not screaming. It's not yelling. The candle's just always hot. It just is what it is. It doesn't change, and discipline needs to be that way. If you touch the flame, you get burned. If you break the rules, you suffer the consequences of it. And, and so you need to understand that just like the candle, you don't have to get emotional. You don't have to be upset. You don't have to scream at your kids. You just need to go, all right, well, this is what you've done. You, th- this is the consequence for it. And you just need to lay it out for them. It's just, it's just that simple every single time. Otherwise, if you don't, like the candle, get burnt every single time, because let's be honest, fire is awesome. And if it didn't burn me, I would be playing with it all the time. Like, really. And your kids are the same way when they're testing their boundaries. They're fi- trying to figure out, where can I go? They, they want to understand. And if it burns them every time they step out of line, that they'll, stop, they'll stop doing that. So you don't need to be angry at your kids. In fact, because you're, you can remove the emotion from discipline, you can use words like, man, I really hate this for you. I hate that you chose to do this. This is not going to be enjoyable for you. This is really going to stink. You know, when we go on family vacations, emotions get high and tensions, it, it's, 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 it's tough. And I've had to take away those, the, you know, their devices. Back in my day, it was a Game Boy. But, you know, now it's their phones or their iPads or whatever. And like, you are not going to enjoy this eight-hour journey without your device. I really hate that for you. I do. And, of course, my kids think I'm being sarcastic. Like, yeah, right, Dad. Sure you don't. I probably am being sarcastic a little bit. I hate that for you. Don't do that. This is not the path to walk down, let's be honest. Because you all know what I'm talking about. You're laughing because you know, because you do it, right? So remove the the emotion, remove the sarcasm, and you can truly truly hate that for them. Because we all want our kids to be blessed, right? We do want them to be happy. We do want them to to smile and enjoy themselves, and an eight-hour trip is rough. You know, I I don't want to take that away from my kids. So I am sad for them. But in addition to the goal for first-time obedience, we also expect our kids to respond to their directives with a yes, sir, or a yes, ma'am. We want them to acknowledge that they've heard us. In Philippians 2.14, it says, do everything without complaining or arguing. And so, dear Lord, those are hard words to swallow, aren't they? Because we're all sinners when it comes to this right here. We need to hang this up at our workspace and like, understand that this is us, not just our kids. But we need to do everything without complaining or arguing. And so when I ask my kids to do it, and sometimes it's a, yes, sir. You know, it's not like they're excited about doing it, but they're, they're going to acknowledge it. And so it's a wonderful thing. We want them to respond with a proper attitude and immediate obedience. Now, the next season is ages 5 to 12, and that, of course, is the training season. 
ages 5 to 12, the training season if you're taking notes. Proverbs 22.6 says, train children to live the right way, and when they are old, they will not stray from it. Now that word train means to teach or disciple or to invest in your kids, okay? And so for a Hebrew kid, you need to understand when that word train was used, they would have understood it in this context. Because when a baby is born, one of the midwives would take some of the mother's milk, and they would open the baby's mouth, and they would rub the mother's milk on its palate so that it would have an easier time or have a desire to then breastfeed at that point in time. In other words, training is giving your kids the proper palate so that when they're older, they will have a desire or a taste for the things of the Lord. And so that when they're older, they won't depart from it as well. This righteous living and listening to the voice of God, they'll have a desire for that. And so from this age, that 5 to 12 age, that's when you are training them to have that. Now, let me tell you this, because a lot of us understand training. We go, all right, they make a mistake, and then we train them. We go, no, that's, you know, right, in the, right then and there. That's when we do the training. And to be honest with you, training should not happen in, non, it should happen in non-conflict times. Should not be in the moment when they make the mistake, because let's be honest, emotions are high. Everybody's upset about the mistake. And trying to train in that moment, nobody's listening. Nobody's listening. This happens even in my life. I look at my wife. I'm like, they're not even listening to us right now. It's true. That is the wrong moment to bring training. That is the moment to give consequences and be done. Training comes in a very intentional way, in a very different way. Ephesians 6 forces fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. How do we exasperate them? Just like I said, in times of crisis when they've made their mistake, right in that moment is when we decide, this, you ought not have done this. This is what you should have done. This is how you should have responded. And they're not even listening. We feel better because we think we've done our job as a parent, but they've completely deflected that whole thing and didn't even listen. That, that is not the moment to do it. We're exasperating everyone. We're tired. They're tired. Everybody's just irritated when we try to take conflict moments and make a training second out of it. <clears throat> and being honest, I'm completely guilty of that. <laughs> oh, a, a lot. A lot. But the Bible warns against exasperating our children. It says to train them. And that takes an intentional process, one that occurs when there are no issues going on. One of the things that that we do, that we train our kids in non-conflict moments, is to speak to adults. We teach them whenever they go out that they need to learn how to talk to adults because as they get older, they need to... They need to be able to function in this way, to function and be a normal part of society. They need to know how to talk to each other, right? Because a lot of our kids are playing devices, and they know how to text each other, but they don't know how to look somebody in the eyes and talk. And so we've been intentional when, we're, when our kids were able to, to look at a menu and then tell the waitress or the host or the server, whoever's taking our, our order, what they would like to eat. Or when we go to a cashier and they're buying something that they want, you speak to the cashier. Or when we go, go anywhere and they want something, and I can't get it for them. They've got to ask somebody else. I'm not going to go and ask for it. I'm not doing it. And I'll just stand there and wait. If you want it, all you got to do is go talk to them. We're training them. We're giving them opportunities. We'll even role play with them. Okay, look, I'll be the cashier. You be the person. Tell me what you're going to say. They'll practice, and then they'll go do it. We're training them to speak to adults now because that's important. We're training them for life. I've been told on many occasions, you know, I just love that your kid can look at my eyes and have a conversation with me. I love that, that they are open to that. They, they can engage in conversation with you, and most of the time, I don't have to send my kids away because they don't engage inappropriately in conversation. They know how to do it. They're practiced. They're trained. It's important. So I don't know if you've noticed or not, but kids these days can, can be spoken to. They'll look at you, and then they just look back at their devices, right? They're just getting on their games, and they're going to play, and they'll completely ignore you. 
and they don't know how to talk to an adult. What's funny is that things that seem very normal to me to teach my kids how to talk to people is very abnormal to other people. There are opportunities when people say, how in the world did you get your kids to behave this way? How in the what? They say, yes, sir. They say, no, ma'am. How, how did you get your kids to do that? And the common response, you know, in years past, well, it's because I beat them. No, you know, I'm just kidding. And I always tell them I'm kidding, but that's a horrible response. Horrible response. I, I always tell them that. The proper response is because we always talk about those, the life of shiny, living a life of shiny. Well, look, this is it. They've looked at our lives. They've looked at our kids, and they said there's something different about them. What is different? The proper response in that moment is, well, we parent our kids according to the Bible. We're Christ followers. And to open that conversation up and see where it goes, because they've got a taste for it. They've looked and said, there's something different that I've got to have. That's our opportunity. Our kids can be our shiny for us. Another way that we've trained our kids is by being honest with them. I always tell them the truth, but I always open it up for honesty. There's certain times of year on vacation that I always say, hey, you can ask me anything, and buddy, do they ask me anything. But they've also learned that any, that any other time they can approach me, and we can talk about subjects that most kids' parents aren't talking about. I'm not uncomfortable to have these conversations with you. Now, their age, as they've progressed, we've gotten a little more detailed on some of those things, and you can probably imagine what the scope of those conversations are. We don't need to have them today. But, but as they've gotten older, the more questions they've asked, the more detailed I've gotten about them. Why? Because we want them to understand the world around them. We're not trying to shelter them from, from what's happening. We want them to feel comfortable with uncomfortable conversations with us. I heard this uh, just a week ago, and this is a seed I've, I've started planting. And as I said, I'm, I'm grow, ever-growing as a parent. But this is something I heard, and I said, i got to do that because my kids are, are in this, this phase where... This guy was inviting his kids. He said, you know what? If you come to me, if you make a mistake or there's an issue in your life that, that, is, that you've messed up, he said, if you come to me and confess it to me, he said, there will be no consequence if you confess it to me. Huh. Think about that. Because we're our children's advocate, right? We're supposed to train them and show them how to walk through this life. And we can't do that if we don't know what's going on with them. And so by opening the door and saying, hey, if you've made a mistake, why don't you come to me and talk to me? Why don't you share it with me and I'll give you no consequence. Because let's be honest, if they mess up really big in life, life's going to hand them consequences, you know. If they make those mistakes at schools or in their relationships, life's going to hand them the consequences. I don't need to be the guy to do that. I need to be the guy to train them on how to handle that situation. And so this past week, I sent my kids down. I said, guys, here's the deal. I'll, I'll forgive you if you come. Because isn't that the heart of the Father? The Bible says that if you are faithful to confess your sins, he's faithful to forgive us. King David wrote and said, you, you, you are concerned about truth, not perfection. Truth in my inmost being, not perfection. I'm not looking for my kids to be perfect. I'm looking for them to be truthful and to be honest about what they're dealing with. And so, so I set my kids down, and they all kind of looked at each other and grinned, and I said, now, I know what you're thinking. You don't get to punch your sister in the face and then come and tell me that you did it and you're off the hook, okay? Like, look, that's not how this whole thing works. But, but they said, but, Dad, isn't that? No, that's not what we're talking about here. And so, so I'm, you know, when we're talking about this whole relationship with God, it, when we confess to God, I, I'm not God, and I, I can't know. God knows what we've done, whether we tell him or not, right? He knows, but I'm not God. And so I need my kids to come and confess to me. And look, let me be honest with you. During this age, if you're not talking to your kids, you're going to lose them. If you don't know what's going on in their lives, there's a, like a red flag waving right now. 
So we believe in training at home, and as a church, we also believe in training. We've got these discovery classes that happen on Sunday mornings, and the purpose of the discovery class is to train the kids during this age that they can rightly handle the Word of God, that they can read it and understand what it means and discover how to be obedient to it. That's what we're doing in the discovery classes. We are training them that we believe that the same Holy Spirit that is in us as adults is also in you as a kid. And we are trusting them to understand the word of God. Now, we've got an adult in there that is monitoring it to make sure that there's not, like, heresy coming out of that room. But in general, these kids are incredible. And they walk out of those classrooms with this fervor and this passion to be obedient to the word of God in ways that would embarrass us as adults. I've had some of those kids grab me and pray for me. And it's some of the most powerful prayers because they're honest and they're real and they're looking to serve God. We are training them. We're training them that they can have a connection with God. And it's incredible to me. And so we're training our children up properly. And so the next season is ages 12 to 19. And this is the season called coaching. Ages 12 to 19, this is the season called coaching. So we've gone through our disciplinary phase. We've gone through our training phase. And at this point, the kids are in the mix of it, right? They're in the mix of their lives. They're growing. They're deciding who they are. They're deciding what they're going to do. They're, they're developing relationships. They're, they're choosing sports or hobbies. And so they're becoming an individual at this point. Discipline and training, that's not your focus during this season. Your focus is coaching. Now, if you're not familiar with what coaching is, I'm, I'm currently in the process of getting my coaching certification. And do you know what I do? I ask lots of questions. When I'm coaching somebody and I'm sitting talking to them, I ask them lots of questions. I begin with, hey, what's the best way to spend the next 30 minutes of time we have together? Let's talk about what you want to talk about. I don't come to the table with an agenda. My agenda is to serve them in the way that, that best serves them. What is it that you're struggling with? Having these kind of conversations with your kids is incredibly important. Just asking questions and listening. And then when they tell you they've got a problem, don't tell them what to do. We're out of that training phase. During this time, you need to ask them, well, what do you think you should do? What, what do you think is right here? What does God's word say that you should do? How do you think you ought to respond to that? These are coaching questions. We're going to ask them through it. And then as a coach... I'm not going to tell anybody what to do. If they get stuck, I ask them more questions until they come up with a plan. And as soon as somebody has a plan, I say, okay, well, when are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to do it this day. Great. Who are you going to tell about that? We're, in, we're teaching them accountability. We're teaching them uh, putting something on a calendar and deciding and setting goals. This is what we ought to be doing with our kids is coaching them through what they're experiencing at this time. I know that as parents, we look at our kids and we go, you know, we shake our heads at them because during this phase, you're like, I was 12 once. I, was, I know what that age looks like. I know what you're going through. And truth be told, we are struggling with a lot of the same things, but our kids have access to things today that I never had access to. They're being tempted in ways that I can't even begin to understand. And so if we're willing to humble ourselves and recognize this is a very different generation, we would learn to ask more questions we would learn to understand their world a little better. Because honestly, even though we've been there before, we were 12 once, they're the experts in their world. We need to ask them questions. One of the other ways we continue to, at this age, to parent is to monitor our kids' relationships. Looking at our friends, my, at their friends and who they're choosing to associate with. My Bible teacher growing up, he's one of my favorite mentors. He always said, he said, Aaron, I can tell you who you are by, by showing me who your friends are. That's true, isn't it? We also hear birds of a feather flock together, right? We understand that. Show me who your friends are. I'll show you who your future, what your future looks like, right? 
It's, it's that rule in our lives that who we associate with is who we become like. And so you can begin to monitor your kids' relationships at this point and keep your finger on the heartbeat of what's going on in their world by doing that. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So we can begin to coach our kids through their relationships. That's an important point for you. Coach your kids, asking them questions. When you find that a kid doesn't line up with their, with their beliefs and their desires, start asking, well, what are you going to do about that? How will you reconcile that? They behave in this way, but you, you don't, and you know better than that. How are you going to handle that? And your kids, your kids will come up with a plan themselves, and they'll decide what the best thing is for them in their world, and they're going to make a decision and move forward with it. And remember, they still understand consequences. They've been trained in what they need to do at this point. They're going to make the right decisions. We need to trust them with that instead of telling them what to do at this point. But if we do, even if we do all this right, we discipline, we train, and we coach our kids, then we arrive at the last season. And this is 19 and up and where we become their friends. This is like the ultimate goal of every parent, right? We want to become their friends because our friends live somewhere else. Amen? <laughs> Like, we arrive at a place where we are at peace with our kids and we are loving their lives and loving the impact they're making, loving the relationships they have and the children that they're going to bring into this world themselves and watching them walk through that and we become their friends. And that's an exciting place to be. But I think the biggest mistake that we make as parents is that we parent in the wrong season. We parent in the wrong season. I think some of us are, have kids that are maybe past that disciplinary stage, and they're in the training phase, and we're still disciplining them. Now, don't get me wrong. Discipline doesn't ever go away, but we're making that our focus instead of making the focus of training, or they're in a place where they need to be coached. And let me tell you something. If your kids are in the age group or in that bracket where they need to be coached, and you are still in a disciplinary phase or a training phase, and that is your focus, then you're going to push them away. They're becoming individuals. They don't want to be told what to do. They, they want you to support them in what they're doing. It's very, very different. And as our kids grow and mature and change, the challenge is for us to do the same. Our parenting has to change with the seasons. We have to shift with them or we'll just push them away. We have to do the right thing at the right time to get the right results as parents. So the question is, how do you parent? Well, there are three simple things that I'm going to give you and we're going to close today. The first thing is make Jesus the center of your home. Look, in your home, you can talk about Scripture. You can talk about what God's Word is doing in you. You can talk about how God's Word is convicting your heart and your response to it. You can talk about what God is doing in the community, how He is answering your prayers. You can pray together. You can live out this Christian life, but do it together. Don't exclude your kids. Make Jesus the center of your home. Joshua 24, 15 says, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The second thing you can do is build a schedule that reflects your values. Build a schedule that reflects your values. What does that mean? What is it that you value? What is it that's important to you? And my house family is important to me. And so, Micah, as I'm talking through my, well, I have a coach, and as I'm talking through with him, my values, I feel like I'm failing as a parent. I feel like I'm disconnecting from my kids. He says to me, he says, well, Aaron, how do you reflect your values in your calendar? He says, how do you do that? And I was like, well, that's, that's a great question, because family's a priority to me. And so I came up with a plan. My coach 
walked me through it. He didn't tell me. He just said, what are you going to do? I said, you know, I guess I could, I could ask my kids, hey, why don't you look at my calendar and tell me, let's put a day on the calendar and say, hey, this is, this is time with dad day. And so each one of my kids had their own individual day with dad once a month. Now, I spend lots of time with my family and lots of time with my kids, but this is me being intentional about that, reflecting my value of, for them in my calendar. You can do this yourself. Make space in your calendar for the sporting events and for the things that your kids want to be a part of. Let, let what you value be reflected in your schedule. And it's, it's been really great because now when I go out with my kids once a month, they know that they've got time with dad, and they actually get to look at my calendar before anybody else gets to pick time. So they're looking a month out. Before anybody else has asked me for counseling time or can I be in band or can I be a part of this or anything like that, my kids get first pick. And I'm demonstrating them as a priority in my life. You can do the same. I don't know what it looks like for you in your life, but whatever it is that you value, you can make that a priority in your schedule. <clears throat> Psalms 39.6 says, We are merely moving shadows, and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. Ecclesiastes 4.6 says, It's better to have only a little with peace of mind than be busy all the time. Look, I think we're all too busy. We're all doing so many things. We're rushing here and there all around the square saying, catch me if you can. We're, we're, we're so busy with what we're doing. But to be honest with you, at the end of our lives, your kids are not going to look back and say, man, I wish I'd done one more class or I'd gone to one more sporting event. The things that they're going to miss, the things that they're going to regret is those relationships and those opportunities to have spent time with you and to spend time with family, the important things. And if you don't prioritize those important things, all these other things that are insignificant will take their place very quickly. We have to be intentional about that. The last thing we need to do is keep the main thing the main thing. Look, the main thing is eternity in heaven. That's what the main thing is. Paul says this, however, in Acts 20, 24, he says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Look, the most important thing we can do is to help our kids find their purpose, to learn that their lives were meant to reflect God's glory in this world and that they were brought in to not only glorify him with their lives, but to enjoy fellowship with him. That's what their purpose is in life. And we need to constantly be pointing them towards their purpose, what they were created to do. Because in the end, when they stand before God, all the accelerated classes that they took or how much money they earned or how many sports they played will not matter. The only thing that will matter when they stand before God at the end of their lives is what they did with Jesus. That's all that will matter. And so the main thing needs to be the main thing. Because I think it's easy for us to lose focus in this life. And, th when, and things aren't wrong. They just need to have their place, like all these sporting events. They just need to have their place. But Jesus needs to be made a priority in your kids' lives. He has to. So these are three simple ways that we can parent. I'm going to close right there and mic drop on you. There's plenty that I can say about parenting. And we've had many different years of parenting series that we've done, and I encourage you to listen to them if you want to dive into more on parenting. But these are simple ways that we can do it. Amen? Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you're far from God, you're, you're disconnected, you don't know him, you have never said yes to Jesus, or maybe, maybe you've said yes to Jesus and said, Jesus, be Lord of my life, but somewhere along the, the way, you took back the reins of your life and you said, I'm in charge, Jesus. And you've begun to live your life the way that you want to live it. 
But today, today you have an opportunity to connect with God. And if you're a parent out there, you understand what it's like to be a father or a mother. And in the Bible, God is called our Father. He loves you no matter what. He doesn't care about the sins that you're tangled in. He doesn't care about the mistakes that you've made. He doesn't care what you've said or how far you've walked away from him in the past or where you are today. What he cares about is this moment right now. Will you receive Jesus? Will you humble yourself and receive his love to seek his forgiveness, to seek his face? Today, would you make Jesus Lord of your life? Would you turn around and repent? Say, Jesus, take control. If that's you and you're here today and you say, Aaron, I, I, I need to get with Jesus. I need to give him control of my life. I've been holding out. Maybe you've been coming here for a while. Maybe you've said, you know, I'm not, I'm not the right kind of person to be a Christian. And neither were Peter, James, and John, or any of the other 12 disciples that Jesus originally called. They were misfits. They were broken. And he said, come as you are. And that is God's call and his beckon to you today. Come as you are. If that's you and you're here, would you say, Aaron, I know you're going to pray. Count me in on a prayer. Would you shoot your hand in the air and say, Aaron, that's me. I'm here. I need to make that commitment today. Thank you. I appreciate those hands. There's a simple prayer. I'm going to pray it for you in case you don't know how to walk through it. It's, it's easy. It acknowledges our Father. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me and make me brand new. I believe that Jesus came to this earth and died and rose again to save a sinner like me. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Give me your Holy Spirit. Show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray for everyone else underneath the sound of my voice. All those of us that are parents or those that will be parents, God, I, help, I pray that you would help us to be committed to discipline our children and in a way that would capture their hearts. Lord, to train them intentionally with patience to coach with the right questions that will reveal their lives and their situations. And to ultimately, Lord, I pray that we can be friends with our kids. But to do all these things in the right season will take your help, will take your strength. We need that so much. God, I pray that you would do this work in us. Help us today. Give us wisdom and insight as parents. We need you, God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.